Well, I hope you have learned something that God's day matters. And it certainly matters to God how his people walk with him and live for him. Now, these things are based not just on culture. They're not based on some preference of denominations, but they're based on creation. As you know, God rested on the seventh day, and that is really the foundation for keeping one day in seven holy unto God. We keep the first day of the week because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we know in the New Testament that they worshiped God on that first day. And it behoves us that we follow that pattern and that we keep this day holy unto God and it will be good for our bodies and our souls. That's the argument. That's the reason. It's not bondage. It's not to put men down or make life difficult, but it really is God's gift to encourage and be a means of ministry to God's people. May the Lord minister to your heart. If I can be of any personal help, make sure you get in touch. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, and we're on the air to bring you the message of God's Word today, and we're bringing the final part of the message on keeping one day in seven, a day set apart for God. Now, I know people say this is old-fashioned, old-school. I know that many will say that's traditionalism. Modern churches don't do that. But think about it. Has God changed? Has the Ten Commandments changed? Is God's command to keep his day holy, has it been abrogated? Has it been removed? No, unless you're going to change the very fundamentals of Christianity, there is still a day in seven to keep. And we are commanded in God's word to keep one day in seven. We're going to look at that today. That's the final part of our message. Also, we have now this question and answer on Paul's epistle to Romans. And we're looking at this issue that man is inexcusable because he has the light of creation. First question, what does the apostle mean by holding the truth in on righteousness? And we're looking at Romans 1.18 here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and on righteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, this holding the truth in unrighteousness, it is really the idea of holding down or suppressing the truth that wishes to pop up, and it wishes to speak and to address you, but you hold it down, you suppress the truth, you hide it away, lest it troubles you. And that's what the apostle is meaning here by holding the truth in unrighteousness. So it is an ungodly attitude, a wicked man's attitude to the truth. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to face it. I don't want to look at it. And so it is put away. Next question. What is Paul's argument in his use of the word because, verse 19? Well, let's read it. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. And so it's almost self-explanatory. The light of God is in man. 
and he has the capability of determining and working from effect to the cause. We see around us everything God has created, and we're able to see someone made that, someone designed that. There is some designer, there is a God who created the things that I see and the world around me. Next question. What are Paul's proofs for his statement so that they are without excuse? Verse 20. Well, proof one, man has the knowledge of God within him. And proof two, God is known by his creation of the world. And for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And proof number three, God's eternal nature, his divine character, is revealed in the light of creation. Oh, what a, what a simple, simple answer. And it's all there. It's staring us in the face. If only we will look at the truth and acknowledge that God is there at work. And so here we have the message that we're dealing with. One more question we have time for. What have men done with the light of creation or what we call general revelation? They did not give him the glory due to his name. Oh, they hid it. And they would not give God the glory. That's what Paul said, verse 21. They were not thankful and did not worship him. My, nothing much has changed since the days of Paul the Apostle. We may be living in the 21st century, but we've gone full circle. And in this day, men have not changed. And then verse 28 of Romans chapter 1, it says that they did not hold or retain the knowledge of God. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they did not approve of God. The word retain comes from the the testing of metal. When bad metal is found, it's thrown away as worthless. Men have done likewise with God. They considered God and just threw him away. They considered him but rejected him as worthless. No wonder the wrath of God will fall upon the wickedness of men who have rejected him. Can we blame God for rejecting men who have rejected him? That's the seriousness of the issues here in Romans chapter 1. Now we're moving on to our song today and then to our message on keeping a day as a Sabbath.
Now, others have thought through these things, and I want to read to you the answer of the Shorter Catechism. How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? Here's the answer. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. And then one more, question number one, what is forbidden in the fourth commandment? What's the thing we should not do? The fourth commandment forbiddeth the omission or careless performance of the duties required, and the profaning the day by idleness, or doing that which is in itself sinful, or by unnecessary thoughts, words, works, about our worldly employments or recreation. Why? Because as a Christian, we all battle for time. I'm sure if I was to ask you, how do you do with your daily devotions? How do you do in the prayer closet? How do you do in, in reading about the great things of Scripture and, and, and the gospel and, and educating yourself in the things of God? You would say, I'd love to, but I don't have time. Time is my enemy. And as a Christian, it always is. I remember giving advice to a young wife. She, her husband was a Christian for some time, and she was just new to the faith. They were newly married. And she asked me, how can I organize my life that I can do the things I ought to do as a Christian? And I said, number one, above everything else, and it's very simple advice. I don't have to write a book about it. The number one thing is just keep one day in seven. Keep God's day. Move your deadlines to Saturday night and keep that day for what we call public worship and for private time. A time to read, a time to meditate, a time to relax, a time to enjoy the spiritual atmosphere rather than the things of this world. And you know, it makes a world of difference a world of difference. And if our children are taught this, have your homework done. If it's due Monday morning, have it done so that you're not plowing through it on Sunday and your mind is, is torn between what you should be doing. Saturday night deadline. Just move the deadline. And then on Sunday, you're free. And you'll find that that one day in seven becomes the foundation of all other principles of the Christian life becomes your testimony, becomes your opportunity. It becomes good for your health, good for your fellowship, free from commerce. That's a day well spent for God. Then also, when I have engaged personally in public worship, I have had a good day. I'll call that the synagogue principle, as the Lord Jesus went into the synagogue, and that was his custom. I don't think any Christian could say, I've had a good Sunday, but I never got to church. I don't think we could say that. We would lament if it was sickness or illness. We would say, oh, I haven't had a proper Sunday. It hasn't been a good day for me because I, I haven't been able to get out to God's house. I haven't been able to obey that command to assemble. Neglect not the assembling of yourselves together, as Hebrews 10.25 tells us. And to make full use of public worship, well, that, that becomes a day well spent. 
What is the cost of missing a sermon? Well, that might depend on the sermon. But what's a sermon worth? That depends on the value of your soul. A message from God for your soul, you can't put a dollar figure on that. It demands on your view of holiness, because God's Word is a sanctifying Word. It's a purifying Word. And if you believe in holiness, anything that helps you on to holiness is valuable beyond any dollar figure. It depends on your value of pleasing God. See, it's not a matter of me putting my head on the pillow Sunday night and saying, I had a, 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 a pleasurable day. No, I brought pleasure to my God today. I glorified Him. I honored Him. And I know that He is pleased with the things that I entered into today. It also depends on how much you value the Lord's presence. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It's one of the great values of congregational worship. There's a blessing in the corporate gathering of God's people. And if you value the Lord's presence right in the midst, and you know, you know what church is like when you can say, I went out of that house, I met with God, God met with me. That's a Sabbath well kept. Number four, a Sabbath well kept. When I have been strengthened in my inner man. You know that term? The inner man? I understand it's a bit foreign to people who don't know their Bible uh, yet, but uh, the apostle talks about feeding the inner man. That, that's more than the body. The Sunday lunch feeds the body, uh, but there is a soul feeding the inner nature, the new nature, the born-again nature of the child of God. And that nature has to be fed, has to be nurtured. The apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, do all things for edification. That is the building up and the strengthening. Why do I want to keep Sundays? Well, as a pastor, I can answer that. Because on a Sunday, it's my great opportunity for edification. I have an opportunity to minister the Word because you come on Sundays to God's house. It becomes my day, my day of opportunity to minister, to build you up in the faith. And that's my goal. I have to be clear about that. We started this year with that text, grow in grace and then the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And I must seek every opportunity that you might grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And today is my opportunity. And it becomes your opportunity to come and be edified. And if you go through a week and go through a Sunday and you haven't been edified, it's not a day well spent. Perhaps the flesh is being strengthened, and the old nature is getting the victory, and the inner man is weakening. That can't be a good day. So, Sunday is a good day when we're being edified. Do you know that Christians need to hear the gospel just as much as the unsaved people? You know, there is a process when the gospel is preached. It's the process of, first of all, conviction. Sin is pointed out. Then there is confession. I hate sin. 
Let me tell you, every time you go to the house of God and you're brought to the conclusion, I hate sin, that's a good thing. That's God's message getting through to your heart to hate sin more and more. And then the next step in the process is cleansing. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us. And so there's the process in the preaching of the gospel. And you as a Christian need to hear that every time. Conviction, confession, cleansing, and then confirmation, assurance. The Lord has done this for me. I've been to Calvary. I've been washed in the blood. I am clean now. And I have the assurance of pardon and sins forgiven. So it's a day well spent when it's been a day of edification. And that's the edification principle. Number five, it's a day well spent when I have encouraged others in their worship and walk. We'll call that the fellowship principle. Fellowship. This is a sweet word for Christians. When we come together in unity and harmony and we encourage each other just by rubbing shoulders. Rubbing shoulders. Sit closer together now rub shoulders. Let's have more fellowship in the church. Let's enjoy one another's company. Now, this fellowship principle, it applies in the home as well. Husbands, you're to encourage your wife. The Bible commands that. And you might say, but I find that awful difficult because I'm a very busy man, and I'm up early, and I'm out and gone before the house is even stirred, and I'm home and it's dark and, and, and there's so little time. One day that you might be that head of the home, that you might be that leader, that teacher, that encourager, that one that will be the, the prophet, priest, and king in your home and be a husband free from all those other things to be a godly man, a leader in your home. Fathers over their children likewise. And the employers are to have their employees, servants, as the Bible calls it, free on that one day in seven. The command in the fourth commandment applies to the, the animal and to the servant, the slave. And if you're an employer and you have a worker comes along and says, I need Sundays off, you'll want, you'll want to help that person. You'll want to accommodate that. Let me tell you, the world won't want to accommodate that. The great big box retail stores will not so easily accommodate that. They might grandfather you in if you've been there from day one under some other system. But if you're a new employee and you say, but I need Sundays, you probably won't get that job. That's the way it's going. And you know how famous hockey night in Canada is. It is Saturday night. But you know what Rogers is going to do now that they've made that new 12 billion contract? It's going to be Sunday night. Another pressure against the church and against the Christian to steal away fellowship. Your enjoyment of God's people and God's house. Now, in church, of course, that means engaging in prayer and singing. When you take the hymn book and you sing your head off, that's fellowship. When you drone, that's sort of duty. When you sing with happy, happy heart, what an encouragement to others around you. You can bring others along to the house of God. You can bring your wife, bring your children, 
Bring anyone in, in your home. Bring your neighbors. This is a day of fellowship. I can end a Sunday well if I have done something to lead others to worship God and walk with Him. That's a good day. And in my practical giving, if I have given something of the labor of my week to promote the gospel, that's a day well spent. That is income well spent. My last one, and we're going to call this the rewards principle, when I can honestly claim the promises of God for His day. Now, you see, Sunday is not for my pleasure only, or firstly, but the reasons annexed, this is now the Catechism, question 62, the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment are God's allowing us six days of the week for our own employments, His challenging a special propriety in the seventh, His own example, and His blessing the Sabbath day. And so there is a blessing stamped upon keeping God's day. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 58, 13. Isaiah 58, 13. This is the passage that we are to call the Sabbath a delight. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure. Here's the word pleasure now. Pleasure. Some people think that Sunday should be a pleasure day. That's carnal thinking. That's the world thinking. And here you have in Isaiah 58, 13, if thou turn away thy foot from my Sabbath, or this Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking in thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Did you see the connection? If you delight in the Sabbath, you delight in the Lord. Don't talk to me in the golf course on Sunday that you love holiness. The only holiness you love is holy ground, not the holiness of the Lord. Don't talk to me at the baseball game on Sunday that you love holiness and you love the Lord. Why? Because we're not to be doing our own pleasure on that day. We're to be doing God's pleasure. And if we do God's pleasure, here's the promise. Verse 14. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And so there's a promise, and there's a blessing. And when God created the earth, He sanctified that seventh day and hallowed it and blessed it. It's a blessed day, and we're to enter into that that we might gain the rewards. That reminds me of a little story of an old man out on a walk, traveling along a road, and he meets this group of boys. I don't know how many boys there were, just a bunch of them. And he took out his purse, and he had uh, gave—he just emptied it out, and he gave every boy a coin. Well, I, I don't know, as I said, I don't know how many boys there were. There may have been three boys, and he would have given them two coins each. But he had six coins that he gave to them. And one coin he put back into his purse. And the, the boys were delighted. And as they parted, and the old man went on his way, and the boys went on their way, they came up with a scheme and the plan. Hey, did you see that other coin? It's in his purse, you know. 
And they set up a scheme and a plan that they would jump him and robbed him of the last seventh coin. They robbed the old man who gave them six coins out of his own purse, out of his goodness. Now, do I need to apply that? Do I need to mention about those who will not give one day to God are robbing God of that day? Can we answer that before the Lord today? One day in seven. And I want you tonight, when you go to sleep, I want you to put your head on the pillow, and I want you to be able to say this. This has been a day well spent for God. Now, if you're watching television all day, you're not going to do that. If you're going to rush home now and just do everything that the world does, you're not going to put your head on the pillow and say, this was a day well spent. It won't happen. I thank you for coming to church. I trust that the first half of the day is well spent. I have to pray that God enables us to use all of his day that it be well spent in these areas. May the Lord help us. We need grace for this. We need God's Spirit in our hearts to do it. But there's great reward and blessing in store for those who do it. Well, I hope you have learned something that God's day matters. And it certainly matters to God how his people walk with him and live for him. Now, these things are based not just on culture. They're not based on some preference of denominations, but they're based on creation. As you know, God rested on the seventh day, and that is really the foundation for keeping one day in seven holy unto God. We keep the first day of the week because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we know in the New Testament that they worshiped God on that first day. And it behoves us that we follow that pattern and that we keep this day holy unto God, and it will be good for our bodies and our souls. That's the argument. That's the reason. It's not bondage. It's not to put men down or make life difficult, but it really is God's gift to encourage and be a means of ministry to God's people. May the Lord minister to your heart. If I can be of any personal help, make sure you get in touch. You've been listening to This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdalefpc.ca, and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning, and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services, at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. 
You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdalefpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdalefpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.